You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Nancy Rutland. She's the owner and manager of BookWorks Books. Thank you for joining me, Nancy. Thank you. Nancy, tell me, how did you get into the bookselling trade? You have an impressive resume before that, so I'm wondering what made you decide to start selling books? Well, I knew I wanted to do something with books. I love books. I have a master's in English. I have a teaching certificate for high school English. Um, I've worked at publishing houses a bit, written book reviews, and I knew I wanted to do something with books, and I kind of fell into book selling. Uh, How long have you been book selling? When and how how did you get started? Did you you start working at a bookstore, or did you just decide to buy a bookstore and open up and go? Well, I worked in other people's bookstores before opening this bookstore in 19... uh, Let's see, I opened this one in 1984. And um, right out of college, my first real job was at a bookstore. And uh, I had moved to San Antonio, Texas, and there wasn't a lot of publishing. I had thought I would be moving to Berkeley and looking for something in publishing, but I wound up in San Antonio and uh, kind of fell into the bookstore business. I first worked in a chain store for a year, and then there was a fabulous independent bookstore named Rosengren's. It was located right behind the Alamo. And it had been a bookstore in Chicago, and over the owner's desk was a portrait, a beautiful fo- photograph of Robert Frost signed to the best of bookstores by Robert Frost. It had been his favorite store in Chicago. And the owners had moved the store to San Antonio, and it just happened to be where I was, and I found that bookstore, and I fell in love with independent book selling there. And even though I returned to get a master's degree at the University of Virginia later, um, I came back to book selling after that, so I keep coming back, and then I finally opened my own store. Tell us about the, how you opened your first store. What, how did you choose the location? How did you uh, go about financing it and buying it? Well, my bookstore is in the North Valley of Albuquerque, and that's the old part of town along the Rio Grande River. And it's a residential area, and I'm in a small strip shopping center that's all locally owned businesses. And um, some of, one of them actually has been here longer than I have, and all of them have been here a long time. And so I found the location because it's a, it's a great residential community that has actual local businesses and no bookstore was in the area. So I decided this would be a great place to put in a bookstore. I thought the community would be supportive, and it has proven to be so. So I found the location just because... I happened to be driving through the neighborhood and thought it looked right. And I'd been living in Albuquerque a few years at that point, working mostly in used bookstores, but also at the university bookstore a bit. And then the time seemed right, and there was a location available. So that's how I happened to to open my own store. When you opened the store, did you seek any advice from booksellers you knew or had worked for? Well, no. I'd already worked in the new and the used book business, and uh, and in small independent stores as well as chains and university stores, and I felt like I understood the business pretty well. And um, so I just decided to take the plunge. Now, this was back in 1982? It was back in 1984. 1984. The book sign uh, 
environment was quite a bit different then. Could you talk about how it, you've seen it change through the years for you? Yes. Well, even a town of Albuquerque size, and right now we're about 850,000, but back then we were less than 500,000. Um, even a town of that size had many independent bookstores. They were dotted all over the community with several around the university. We have our major universities right here in Albuquerque, so over 25,000 undergraduates, and there was um, Full Circle Books, which was a fine feminist bookstore. There was Salt of the Earth Books, which was a great kind of left-leaning political bookstore. And there was The Living Batch, which had started, I think, in 1964. It used to host authors like Robert Creeley and Ginsburg. And uh, we had those three bookstores right by the university. None of them are there anymore. Um, we had one of the first children's bookstores in the country. Trespassers William was here. It's been gone for years. Since I've opened my store, at least 23 independent bookstores have closed. And that's a, that's a lot. Um, so right now in my community, there are really two independent bookstores and the university bookstore, which is still independent. It's not chain-operated. But all of the others have come and gone, and I find that very sad. And um, the business has changed. It is more difficult. This was before online book selling, and it was before the mega chains. And um, there was more room for individual voices I think, than there is now. However, I understand there's a resurgence, and I believe 100 new independent bookstores opened within the past year. I, I think that's a good sign, because I think uh, a community is more interesting when you have many different voices and choices in it, rather than chain stores, which were the binds really done out of one or two offices, and it's fairly similar and homogenous throughout the country. So I'm really a big supporter of locally owned and, and just independent businesses in general. In any, in any community, um, anywhere in the world, I think it makes them interesting. Could you talk about how you, as a bookseller and a businesswoman, participate in the community and respond to the community's needs and requests as a bookseller? Well, one of the reasons I believe we're still here, and, and one of the things I love the most about being in the book business, is that we are a community center. We are a forum. We are The store is a place for people to meet their neighbors and to meet individuals and to hang out and talk and it's also a place for us to host authors and we do interact a great deal on that level in particular we do um, several hundred events a year usually three to five a week in the store we also bring authors to different places in the community we bring a lot of authors to our university and and sponsor them in various halls or ballrooms there uh, we also have had authors in um, churches, in halls, at the convention center, in schools. Uh, wherever we can fit books and people together or help put books and people together, we like to be a part of that. So I think we really are a connector in our community and a way for people to be exposed to so many authors and, and voices they never would have had a chance to hear it had we not been here. So it's a very gratifying profession, particularly for that reason. Then without the authors, of course, just selecting the books that we think are interesting, and that's one of my main jobs. It always has been in the stores to be the frontless buyer. So I, I filter through all of those hundreds of thousands of choices and decide what I think is right for my community or I know that there are particular interests in my community or I just happen to think it's an exciting new voice or uh, an author I love. So in a way, having a store like mine, which is a 3,000-square-foot bookstore, it's like having a large personal library open to the public. And then 
in conjunction with the um, events and actually being able to bring those people here for live interaction, I mean, it's just fabulous. Um, we've had events for a thousand or more people um, where people come up afterwards and are just so delighted to have met the author. And, you know, there's nothing more rewarding. <laughs> it, that's wonderful. Could you talk a little bit about how you yourself choose the books and, and the authors who appear in your store? Well, um, I generally meet with the sales reps from the different companies and review the catalogs with them of what's coming out the next season. And fortunately, many of these reps have been calling on me 10 or 20 years, and they know the store very well. So they may have read many of the books that I haven't read yet and will tell me the ones they think are right, and then I'm looking for the ones that I think are right. And by right, I mean um, ones that, are, are, that fit well with the Southwest and my community, Albuquerque. So I'm always looking for Southwest literature, history, art, um, adobe building, green building. Um, we're very connected with the green and environmental and buy locally kinds of movements and uh, local growers markets and, and that kind of thing. So I look for books along those lines or that are exploring those ideas. Um, and then great literary voices, poetry. Just, again, it's my personal taste in many ways. It either needs to be something I think is wonderful and I want to, to expose people to, or I know people in my community who will want to know about it. And I actually keep a, a list. I make little cards. Um, if, a book, if there's a book coming out that I think a particular customer would be interested in, I jot down that customer's name and number and pass it to the order department, and then they enter the order when the book comes in. That person is called, and they're told, uh, we have a book that Nancy thinks you'd like to look at. And they can come in and check it out, and I do that all the time. And I've, I've now met thousands of people through my 20-plus years here. And um, so part of it is responding to what their interests are, and part of them is introducing people to, to my interests, I guess would be the way to say it. Wow, that's fantastic. I've talked to many booksellers, but I've never talked to anybody who, like, uh, set aside uh, books for, for people. That's a wonderful idea. <laughs> Now, it, you're clearly a general interest bookstore. Um, could you talk about maybe the balance between fiction and nonfiction and how that's changed through the years, your years as a bookseller? Uh, yes. I would say in the 70s and 80s, our part of the, of the publishing world anyway was much more fiction-driven. And now I would say the reverse is true. And I think really 9-11 changed everything. Um, after 9-11, there was a huge interest in international politics, uh, in current events, and that area burgeoned. And, and sort of, in a way, hand-in-hand hand with, that, with that was more interest in memoir and biography, I believe, than we had seen before, but mostly memoir and biography by current people or politicians rather than um, some past historical figure. And then um, as people got interested in the history of our country now, I think they became, they became interested in the history of how our country was started. So there was a huge, and there still is today, a really huge growth in the amount of interest in early American history. And so um, I do see a real change based on that large event, 9-11, but also more access to the world, uh, that sort of global viewpoint. I think younger people are feeling a little, a little more in touch with other countries and what's going on in the world through the Internet, through varieties of media, and uh, I think that's 
that's good, and it has changed reading taste. Now, good, a great piece of fiction, a, a great novel, still um, is exciting, and people love that. But I don't see, I don't see quite as much exciting fiction, like a hundred new novels in a summer. Um, it's more like there's going to be ten. So I see a smaller field of fiction really catching on and, and getting people excited, and a real breadth of the nonfiction. Um, um, could you talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned that you feel that people have been uh, interested by, in, in a bit by their contact through the world through the Internet, and of course the Internet had an a earth-shaking impact on booksellers. How has it affected your work? Well, um, when I started as a bookseller, we thought microfiche was a big deal. And so um, I come from the days when a piece of paper with something written on it by hand was the order of the day in tracking books and ordering books. And um, microfiche was a huge step because you could have more current information than books in print in a printed format. So today, of course, we're so far ahead of that, we can instantly message people or send emails or check something online that may have changed yesterday or check an order and know exactly how many are coming and order it more quickly. So everything has, has gotten faster, and, of course, we can get good information quickly. So um, it's impacted our business that way. Now, with buying on the Internet and with Amazon's real push to sell books, that changed expectations in the book market. Um, some of them probably unrealistically. Um, you know, you can't just want a book and have it appear within 15 minutes or even often within two or three days by ordering online unless you're willing to pay for it. So that hasn't changed. But um, the accessibility to uh, cataloging and to data is, of course, really greatly um, improved for everybody. So we, we can use all those resources to find books for customers and the customers can use it to find out about books they may be interested in or topics they're interested in. I think reference um, books are not as uh, useful anymore because so many references are available online and they're up to date, and so you don't really need to buy a book for many of that. The same with mapping books um, and that kind of data. I think that um, the book in a hard copy printed form, I mean, is is based on something that you actually want to read, um, either lyrical and beautiful or something to savor or something that is more than just an information tool. Um, you don't really even need cookbooks anymore. You might buy a cookbook because you love everything that's a part of that package, the, the chef, the everything. But you could find one recipe online. So it's changed the way people do research and the way people learn and the way they absorb whatever it is they're interested in. You, you mentioned that you do several hundred author events a year, which is a really ambitious uh, calendar. Could you talk about uh, choosing the authors, getting them in? And do you work with publishers or do you work with the authors directly? I, I would Mostly presume. work with publishers. And I would say we do probably with actual authors more like 150 to 200 authors, and then we do another... 50 to 100 authorless events that are, are workshops or book groups or um, story times or crafts or something else. But with the authors, three to five a week is average. And uh, most of them we do invite 
through their publishers. And most of them we find out about when we go through the catalogs. And the hard copy catalogs, I must say, is still the best way for us to find out about authors, um, in addition to some of the other uh, resources in the industry. But um, we will look through those and look at where an author is touring. The publishers send out, they usually email out author grids, at least the six larger publishers do, telling us which authors are touring, where they're planning on going, and what kind of an event the publisher is looking for. And then we can make an author request if we think our, our vision fits what they're looking for. And so um, just like the same kinds of books that I select to carry in the store, those are the sorts of authors who I like to have visit the store. Um, the ones who are writing books that I think resonate in my community or in some for some uh, portion of the community. And then, you know, I'll tell you, it is always exciting to have a blockbuster big-name author because authors are rock stars. And there's just a, an energy and a sizzle and a kind of snap in here when one of those really exciting personalities is in our community. So we're, we're always looking for those kinds of great literary lights to, to bring in as well. Everyone will recognize the person's name, and they just really would love to hear them talk. So um, that's what we look for. <laughs> Could you talk about some books and or authors uh, this summer that have caught your eye and interest and tell me a little bit why you're interested in them? Well, um, a couple of the books that I've enjoyed hand-selling the most are, um, are not going to be unfamiliar to you. David Benioff's City of Thieves, I think, is a wonderful uh, summer read with more depth than a typical beach read. Um, the novel is set in Leningrad during the 900-day siege, and it features two young men who are on a quest. And so the um, setting of, of Russia during this in, incredibly difficult time period, of course, influences and sets the tone for the whole novel. But there's a great story embedded in it that could have been set anywhere. and It's about people anywhere. So that's one of my favorites. Um, I've really enjoyed Art of Racing in the Rain, um, a, a story told from the point of view of the dog. And it is... Um, just charming with a, sort of a perfect ending. And in fiction, I do like the ending to, um, to sort of capture me as much as the beginning did. And I think sometimes that is a difficulty for novelists, is to, to have that closure. So those two, I think, are very successful works for this, this summer. And, you know, I've talked about how nonfiction is prevalent, really, in, in people's minds, but yet I picked two fiction uh, books because... Um, I still think that, that there's a place for novels in everybody's life. Um, the best ones, you learn something about um, somebody else's life you never could have figured out by reading a biography or nonfiction. So that's what I'm looking for in fiction. And those two um, books were new authors to me, so that, that was exciting. Tell us a, a little bit about your relationship with the publishers. It, that publishing environment has changed radically in those uh, 20-something years as well, hasn't it? It has, but I'll tell you, from my position, it doesn't feel as changed. I still, here I am sitting at my big roll-top oak desk right now, and it's where I've been meeting with sales reps for 24 years, and many of them are the same ones, so I know that their interactions with the publishers have changed more than mine have, 
And also, um, the publishers have consolidated and rearranged themselves, and there are fewer of them. <laughs> um, but my interaction is not that different. I still go through the catalogs looking for the best books available. I still work with individuals who are readers and, and lovers of the written word who want to put the right books into my store. And um, So that part hasn't changed. The rest has changed. Everything has changed as far as, um, well, everything. Discount policies, um, co-op, cooperative advertising, placement advertising was something no one had ever heard of in the 70s. Um, you know, those sorts of things have changed. I know um, now we have more consolidation, Harcourt and Houghton being merged. Of course, Bertelsmann, everything that happened there, how many imprints are under that one umbrella, and the same with Macmillan, which was VHPS, which was originally felt to me like smaller companies like St. Martin's. And so, um, yes, there are changes. And then there are places that aren't changing. Norton is still an independent company held in the hands of the employees, um, but that doesn't happen much anymore. The university publishers are, I think, pretty autonomous. I think they're uh, supposed to be uh, operating in the black, but um, I'm not sure that always happens now or ever did for some of them. So I think some things, there is an anachronism inherent in books, <laughs> and I think some of it's still there. Um, but, of course, the wheels are turning, and as businessmen and women become publishers, it does change, and I think probably not for the, the best. Um, when it becomes all about dollars and cents rather than about content, well, the content will be sacrificed. Could you tell me uh, what you think your future is, near term and long term, as a bookseller? Do you see yourself selling electronic books, for example? I like electronic books. Uh, I think there's a definite place for them, and I certainly think, again, in this reference category, it makes a great deal of sense to have a very small device with the uh, equivalent amount of maybe, you know, 50 books on it. If I'm traveling, I don't really want to carry all those books. So I think, it, I think electronic books and, and um, various ways to read the written word are, are, are interesting developments. I think there's will continue to be a place for the book on the, on the printed page. I also happen to be very fond of letterpress and artist books, and of course they are beautiful to behold and to hold um, and will never be replaced by something on a screen. So there are all kinds of manifestations of books in the written word, and uh, I would like to see my bookstore and probably most bookstores be the place to find those, all of those. Uh, all the various kinds of books that are out there. And that means probably out-of-print, used books, print-on-demand, e-books, books on DVD or whatever kind of format on the iPods, as well as the beautiful handmade kind. They all are books. I've been speaking with Nancy Rutland. She's the owner and manager of BookWorks Books. Thank you for joining me, Nancy. Thank you so much.